0: Father, we know that you hear prayer, you answer prayer. God, we know that you've commanded prayer. Lord, we know that you've told us in your word that you've got preconditions for prayer, uh, for answered prayer. And so, Lord, we ask that you'd use these times of prayer together to conform us to your image, to grow us in our faith. Uh, Lord to bring us to a place where our ability to trust you only increases. But God, we have all of this need that we're lifting up to you and and God, we just as much as we can in agreement we're saying, "Lord, help us. Everything that you've called us to, it's beyond our power and our ability. Lord, we want to we want to matter for your kingdom. So we don't have the resources. We don't have the talent. We don't have the ability to cover everything that your kingdom requires, but Lord, you can work mightily in and through us as your people. With everything that we've lifted up, Lord, uh, we just wanna ask you, God, would you protect us? We acknowledge that we need you, so Lord, please, would you you direct our paths? God, would you protect our young women from deception, evil men, evildoers? Give them eyes to see Give them ears to hear. Give them, give them minds and hearts that, that discern and understand. Lord, help them to see from your perspective and, and build into our young, woman, uh, young women the desire to serve you. Uh, Lord, to, 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 to give their hearts and their life into your service. And then for our young men, Lord, protect them. God, we ask that you'd open their eyes and help them to see that that, Lord, they can, they can have a way that's right in their own eyes and it's destruction. Lord, give our young, men, our young men and women wisdom and discernment. Give them the ability to be able to see from the perspective of your word. And then, Lord, direct their paths. Lord, spare them from the, the grief of the fool. Spare them from the grief of, of hasty decisions. Uh, Lord, help them to walk in wisdom. Give them the, give them the peace that, that when they have a catch in their spirit to just wait, to wait on you, to seek you. Uh, the world is always pushing. The world is always rushing. The world always wants uh, obeisance. They, they always want capitulation and, and whether that's to, to force you to, to do something or to buy something or to sign something. Lord, Help us to be at peace with just waiting on you. Deliver us from evil men and evildoers. Lord, direct us in the paths that will give us the ability to make the greatest impact for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you did not get an outline on the way in, you can raise your hand right now and somebody from the Connections team will hook you up. Digital copies are online and so you can grab them at Facebook, YouTube, or our webpage, mbtkc.org. So we're in chapter 14, we're still looking at contrasts between the wise and the foolish. In this section, we're gonna just see how they view the Lord. So verse 16, we got four pages of notes. Can we cover four pages of notes in 25 minutes? I don't know if we can. I appreciate the vote of confidence, it's great. Uh, verse 16, fear versus rage. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. So the first, right, the wise, he knows that the wages of sin is death. Romans 6:23. so he departs from evil. What he does is he runs to the cross of Calvary. He's not wise in his own eyes, Proverbs 3, 7. He takes the Lord at his word. He fears and he departs from evil. Proverbs 16.6 says the same thing, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Well how did we depart from evil? Uh, we were delivered from evil at the cross of Calvary. Now fools don't have this fear. They do not avoid evil. They, 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 they see it, you know, its shiny facets and they rush toward it. They rush toward evil. Now the wise, where the wise can see what the outcome is gonna be. Right, if they move in a hasty way to perpetrate, they get the problem that could come out of that, but not the fool. Right, the wise repents because he sees the outcome. The fool rushes in; he knows he's right in his evil path. It's like the adulterous woman in Proverbs thirty verse twenty. She eateth, wipeth her mouth, and saith, "I have done no wickedness." Well, how'd you get the title adulterous woman? I didn't do anything wrong, you know. Can man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? I mean, the the fool can't see it. It's to quote the wise Forrest Gump, stupid is as stupid does. Uh, He's a fool, right? The fool rageth and is confident. See, the fear of the Lord, okay, that's wisdom. It will slow your roll. You will depart from evil, why? Because you've got insight. The fool says, I feel right, so I know I'm right, so I'm gonna just, you know, I've been ripped off, things didn't go my way, something didn't roll the way that I thought, and so I feel that this is the right, the fool rageth and is confident. Philippians 3.3 tells us, we should have no confidence in the flesh. It ought to drive us to the foot of Calvary. Why, because God is our salvation. He is the way that we depart from evil. If anybody had a reason to fly into an unmitigated, massive, all-powerful rage, it would be the creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Verse 17, the angry and the wicked. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. So verse 17 is parallel amplification. Right, the second sentence is an amplification of the first in verse 17. So here's the comparison. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. First we've got a a relational mess-making idiot uh, that is contrasted with one who makes messes on purpose. That's the progression by the way. You can go from a clueless mess-making idiot to becoming a monster personified. Proverbs 14, 29 says, he that is of a hasty spirit exalteth folly. So here's the danger, okay? This is what you want to remember. You can't think properly when you're angry. When you get full of anger, you're temporarily insane. And you have the ability to know that you're wrong. There's like something in the back of your mind that's like you are out of your ever loving mind and you will just still blow up, rage monster. Uh, You'll still engage in wrong. So just recognize right anger has the ability to warp your thinking by nature i i can i can get angry that's who i am personally in the flesh i actually have to be on guard against it all the time cuz you know when it's time to engage fight or flight like that's just how I'm wired. <laughs> and uh, well, okay, so I just got to recognize that. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I have no confidence, therefore, in the flesh. Right? Why would, I, why would I trust in its logic and its ability to respond to difficult situations? See, here's the thing the guy that's blowing up all the time, he's got no friends. He just keeps foolishly popping off and, and, he, and he keeps losing. Ephesians 4, 26 tells us to be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That anger needs to be resolved, okay? Don't be foolish, make sure it's dealt with. Now, the second guy, he's a man of wicked devices. He's always perpetrating on people. He's hated, the Bible says. So this is worse, right? This is a man making messes on purpose, therefore he is reviled. Why, because he's a plotting persecutor. He is designing he is designing ruptures in relationships and the great example of this would be satan himself. Paul says the church to the church we need to be forgiving one another why? Well, because we know satan's objectives. Verse 11 says first second Corinthians, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians 2 verse 11, lest satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And yet, so many of God's people act like they are ignorant of his devices and and Satan effectively causes division in the the bride of Christ. Um, This man of wicked devices, he's rejected. Uh, So, clue in. If you're you're plotting perpetration, uh, unrepentant, you will be rejected. You see that? And again, when we're talking about loved or hated here in the Bible. We're not talking about emotional constructs. We're talking about decisions, choices. Who are we gonna listen to over another? Who are we gonna receive? Who are we gonna reject? This guy's rejected. A man of wicked devices is rejected. Okay, verse 18, the simple versus the prudent. We're making good, I mean we're making good time. The simple versus the prudent. Two key words here in verse 18, inherit and crown. Pay attention to that. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. So that's the question. What are you going to inherit? What is your reward? What is your rule gonna be? Are you gonna rule over nothing? Is it gonna be folly? Or is it, or is it, or is it gonna be something of significance? So here is a simple inheriting folly. Someone who is clued in is crowned with knowledge. Okay, so the simple, they don't inherit the kingdom of God. They're living according to how they feel in the flesh. They're so clueless, they can't even see the kingdom of God. Jesus describes this in John chapter three. Uh, the, it's, a, it's a spiritual kingdom. Now the prudence, they get it, they understand that God is, that he's worth a right relationship with. They, they, they have the fear of the Lord, they respond to the word of God, and so they work to further the kingdom of God. And as a result, they're crowned at the judgment seat of Christ. They're prudent, they recognize they're here for a purpose, and so they get about their father's business. So that's the question in verse 18. What are you gonna inherit, folly? Or are you gonna rule with Christ in his kingdom? Romans chapter eight. The prudent are crowned with knowledge. It is interesting the way that that's phrased. If I, if I have the fear of the Lord, you know the fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge. It's, it's the path to wisdom, right? If I know right, in other words, if I receive the word of God, what am I? I'm already crowned with knowledge because the word of God is being applied to my life. And if I take God at his word, I'll take up my cross, I'll follow him. I will invest in His kingdom, and according to Romans chapter eight, those who suffer with Christ will reign with him, or I can be foolish and inherit folly." First Corinthians chapter six verse nine says, "The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Well, because they live lost." Verse verses nine and 10, uh, look at it. it's just all wickedness. But that's not who we are, verse 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. First Corinthians 15, verse 50. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Fleshly living is not kingdom living. You see it again in Galatians chapter five. What, is the works of the, what are the works of the flesh? When they're shown, when they're manifest, what are they? Well, it's how the lost live. I mean, and it's all kinds of nasty wickedness. They which do such things, verse 21, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The lost don't inherit the kingdom of God. You see it again, same thing in Ephesians chapter five. How the lost live, that's not you, right? How the lost live, the lost, they don't have any inheritance, Ephesians five, verse five, in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So verse seven, be not, be ye, not, be not ye therefore partakers with them. That isn't you, don't roll that way. Be crowned with knowledge. Let the fear of the Lord bring you to a place of submission to the Word of God. Take up your cross, follow Him, start building the kingdom. You'll rule with a minute. So, parents, mom, dad, let's raise wise children, not simple, foolish children. It's so critical that we train them up in the way that they should go. Effective parenting, effective instruction in a parenting relationship is you're getting the kid, your child, to see the truth of God's word for themselves. They have to know that truth, not because you're yelling it at them all the time, right? You're making sure that you're communicating it to them in a way that they can receive it. When that knowledge is their knowledge, well, if you train them up in the way that they go, when they're old, they won't depart. Proverbs 13 tells you a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. You wanna, you wanna be wise with your finances because you wanna provide means on your way out of this planet. But the greatest thing that you can provide for your children, right, the best thing that you can do is give them a godly heritage. That they know the word of God for themselves. That God is their God and they've decided what kind of man or woman they want to be for the Lord. They want to be a mighty man. They want to be a mighty woman of God, a mighty woman of faith. Number four, evil versus good. Verse 19, the evil bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. So just get this down. Don't ever forget this. Good and righteousness triumph. Remember that. God and good, God and his good, they win. And you gotta remember that because you will be faced with a pressure to do wickedly in this life. There's no way around that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had the threat of a fiery furnace, didn't they? And that threat was delivered. So in the midst of facing pressure, by means of force, societal pressure, whatever it is, it can be hard to keep that perspective. Uh, you know, anytime you go to jail for doing the right thing, it'd be tough to keep that perspective, but you have to. Because there's just too many examples in scripture where it's critical that we do. So you got Joseph, right? He's reviled, but he ends up being ruler. His brothers bow. In Egypt, he's not treated right, he's mistreated, but he ends up going from prisoner to potentate. Joseph's brethren came, Genesis 42, 6. He's ruler, Joseph is ruler over all, all the people of the land. He's governor over the land. His brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Remember when they mocked him over telling him the dream that said that this event would take place? Yet here they are, right? I mean, they wanted to murder him. They ended up selling him off as a slave. Well, they bowed. Same thing with, I mean, same thing with Egypt. Egypt mistreated him. Potiphar's wife made sure that he got sold into prison. Uh, they bowed. He's riding in the second chariot, Genesis 41, 43. They cry before him, bow the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Uh, Shimei bows before David, talking trash on the king when he's going through the lowest time of his life and and, uh, before he knows it in 1 Samuel 19, he's begging for his life. Haman bows before Esther. He's determined to wipe out her people. Now he's begging her for his life. Lazarus ends up effectively in a place in his life. He's a righteous man. Angels carry him to Abraham's bosom when he dies, but he's just begging for crumbs off the rich man's table. Man, how the table turned, huh? Now the rich man is begging for a drop of water from Lazarus. Do you see that? The evil bow before the good. Paul went from being beaten by the By the rulers of the city to being begged, please would you just leave us in peace? (laughs) They beat him, and then you know they say to him, "Okay, you've done your time. You can leave." And he says, "You beat me. We're Romans. Um, You you tell them to come fetch him. You know themselves to fetch us out. You go tell them to go tell the go tell the city leadership, come get us. You know." So now they're terrified. They feared when they heard that they were Romans and they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart from the city. Know this, when Christ returns, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Evil will bow before the good. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Verse number 20, point number five, the poor versus the rich. Okay, the poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. Funny how that works. Now again, biblically, we're talking about hated versus loved, right? We're not talking about emotion, but rather choosing, okay? It's not, I hate you, therefore I must destroy your life. It's no, I'm rejecting you, whether it's, I'm rejecting your will, your personage for this will, that personage. So why are the poor rejected? Well, the poor always the poor are always in a jam and they always like every time you run into the poor, they want something from you. And that eventually gets exhausting. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor and so the neighbors always making sure that they don't leave for work at the same time. They're alternate, you know, just changing their routes, that kind of thing. Cuz the neighbors always asking, he's always needy. Now conversely, those with plenty have many that want to be part of their life. They were hoping for trickle trickle down friendship. You know, The goods that the rich man has might make their way to my pocket. And the level of the rich man's possession determines the level of their popularity. I don't know if you've ever noticed that but that's kind of how that thing works. The poor always want to treat the the rich well because you never know when you might get something. Proverbs 19 verse seven says, all the brethren of the poor do hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursueth them with with words, yet they are wanting to him. Ah, Man, it's tough to be in that situation, isn't it? Wealth makes many friends, Proverbs 19, verse four, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Okay, so you can't take verse 20 without considering verse 21. These are a couplet. So that's one side of the coin. Verse 21's the other side of the coin. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. Oh, you, you thought you could write your poor neighbor off. No, you can't do that. But he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. If you have resources, how can you invest them in someone who needs help? So the poor need help, not handouts to their own hindrance, but can we actually help them? Can we get them out of a jam? When you help people, the Bible is very clear on this, you're blessed. Proverbs 19:17 says, he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth to the Lord. Okay, that's how serious God takes this. You help a poor person out of a jam, you're improving, their. the Lord sees that. It's, the Lord feels like you actually did that for him. He lendeth to the Lord. Proverbs 31, verse nine. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. That's the command. Proverbs 22, verse two, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Just because you have means doesn't mean that you're better than the poor friend, the poor neighbor. Proverbs 14, 31 says, he that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him, if you honor your maker, will you have mercy on the poor. So it is interesting. God makes us rich and poor. How we treat those who are less fortunate God takes that personally. Um, Proverbs 22 verse two says, the Lord is the maker of them all. So it is interesting, just gotta make this note. God made them male and female, not rich and poor, right? He didn't make them rich and poor, that's just how life unfolded for them. Point number six, verse 22, they that devise evil or they that devise good. Do they not err that devise evil? But mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. To devise means to plot. You're a plotter. What are you plotting? Everybody ought to be a plotter. Don't plot evil, plot good. Yeah. Just start planning some good. And That's the command in the New Testament, Romans chapter 12. You might be perpetrated on and then you might be planning how to get even. Don't do that. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. If your enemy hungers, feed him. Be thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Plan, good. Plot, good. Devise, good. Plot out how you're gonna, what you're gonna do is gonna fall out to the good of people. So we got many examples of this. Saul plotting Samuel, uh, David's devise, uh, devise, demise. Saul plotting David's demise in 1 Samuel 18, verse 17. He wants to put him in a position where the Philistines will kill him. And then at the end of that whole drama, Saul's dead, Jonathan, his son, is dead, and look at what David is plotting in 2 Samuel chapter nine. Is there anybody left in the house of Saul? I want to show them kindness for Jonathan's sake. Man, that's some good plotting. That's some good planning. Number seven, verse 23, in all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. So, shut up and get to work. Stop whining, get a job. Penury means lack, poverty, destitution. There are those then, right? There's two types of people in the world. There are those that work and there are those that whine about working. Uh, Seth, Sam, that one's for you. Uh, uh, I'm talking about the, uh, the meme, not the, not the point. Uh. Wait, no, I am talking about the point. Yeah. So there are those that work, and there's those that want. No, my kids don't whine about working. Right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this we're made, got we're designed to work. We're supposed to work. That's what God told the first man, Genesis chapter three, verse nineteen. Uh, thou shalt right in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Paul told the church in Second Thessalonians three, verse ten that if any would not work, neither should he eat. What did I say, 2 Timothy? 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 and then verse 12 says that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So shut up and work. So get this down in your notes. Whining never paid the bills. Whining does not pay the bills. So shut up and work. Oh, you were doubting me. It's 623. We've got uh, three points. What? Well, there's, there's a lot here. Okay, the wise versus fools. Verse, four, verse 24, the crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. Well, that makes sense, right? The foolishness of fools is folly. The crown of the wise is their riches. So what, what is that? Well, saving and investing is better than spending everything on whatever you want. Did you get that? Saving and investing is better than you letting your money burn a hole in your pocket and go spend it on something you wanted. In the mo- don't, don't be foolish and just go invest what you have on folly. You'll lose it. We've had this cross-reference before. Proverbs 21, verse 20, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Wise people save their money over and over again. You see this in scripture. But a foolish man spendeth it up. Good luck with that. Now, you know, we've seen the crown already and the wise, the prudent, because they're investing in the kingdom. Um, you know, a crown receiver is a true witness. Look at, look at verse uh, 25.9. So, a true witness versus a liar. A true witness delivereth souls but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. Well, how does a true witness deliver souls? Well, he wins them to Christ. That's how he does it in this dispensation. He wins them to Christ. Proverbs 11.30 says, He that winneth souls is wise. Paul bought into that wholeheartedly. He was given that commission. And so 1 Corinthians 9.22, I mean, whatever it took, to the weak he became as weak, that he might gain the weak. He said, I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. So a true witness, James 5.20, converteth the sinner from the error of his way and the Bible says he shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Uh, A a true witness wins souls versus a liar, he's gonna say something like, you know, all ways lead to God, all paths lead to heaven, do what's right, you know, some mumbo jumbo about doing what's right in your own eyes. The root of all lies, right, what it comes from, it's found in the person of Satan himself. And Jesus declared this in John 8:44, 44, that he was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. This is why when people perpetrate lies, well, Jesus said, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will, will do. This is how he rolled, this is why, this is why the deceitful witness speaketh lies. He's of his father the devil. And God hates it. God hates lying. There's six things God hates. You know, seven that are an abomination to him. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. That ought to make us, I mean, that ought to make us tremble. You saying anything that would cause another brother or sister to get sideways with one another, God hates it. It's an abomination to him. You speak an untruth, he hates it. Proverbs 25:18. a man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul. Have you ever been a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow? What is this? These are engines of destruction. It's, it's, it's destroying life. That's what lies do. Number 10, verses 26 and 27. We're gonna make it. Refuge from death, it's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Okay, we've seen this several times now in Proverbs. The fear of the Lord results in taking him at his word, right? It results in taking God at his word. When we're in the fear of the Lord, when we're full of faith in God, full of faith in his word, now we have the capacity to direct others. So our children know that the Lord is a refuge. Again, great cross-reference Psalms 94, 22. The Lord is my defense. And my God is the rock of my refuge. So when they're in trouble, they run to the Lord. The fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children have a place of refuge. Man, I want that for my kids. I want that for our disciples. I want that for the members, for KidTown. I want that for MBT. The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. This is such a strong place to be in because it's incredible, there's incredible protection and blessing in positioning, positioning ourselves this way. Why? Because now God is responsible for us. Whenever God is our refuge, He has to take care of us. That is, that's everything. I wanna be in a place where God is responsible for the outcome of my life. Luke 1.50 says His mercy is upon them that fear Him from generation to generation. Psalms 31 verse 19, oh how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them that feared thee. Man, I, I want God's goodness to be laid up for me. So I need to be in this place where I fear the Lord. I take him at his word. God is my strong refuge. Now, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. You know, in John chapter four, Jesus was talking about fountains of living waters that spring up a well of life. And whenever that, in the person of Christ, in the spirit of Christ, whenever that's on the inside of me, in John chapter four, now those fountains of living waters, that well of living waters is springing up in me, what am I delivered from? Oh yeah, I'm delivered from the snares of death. Spring up a well, right, John chapter four. That fountain's now on the inside, if it's a part of who the believer is, and they've now departed the snares of death. Jesus said in John 4:14, 4, but whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So again, this comes back to, you know this is where we started in this section, verse 16, a wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. This wise man, this person who is prudent, right, they're departing evil, they're endued with knowledge, so there's a crown waiting for them. What are they doing, they're a true witness, they're delivering souls, right? They're, 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 they're winning souls to Christ. Uh, they're sharing what God has done in their life. The reality of God's word over their life, they are passing that on. Okay, so we've covered a lot in a little, little space of time. Let's close in prayer. Let's everybody get a prayer partner. What's the one thing that you got from Proverbs chapter 14? that the Holy Spirit said, that was for you. Okay, let's lift that up to the Lord in thanks, but then also let's ask him for the reality of it in our life. Amen? Is everybody with me? Okay, so everybody grab a prayer partner. Let's lift up one request to the Lord based out of Proverbs 14, and then we will dismiss. I love you.